Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Oh, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you are here. Today, we are talking all about grazing, what that means for your picky eater, what it is, is it helping, is it hurting, and navigating all the in-between. So I'm really excited to get to that topic. But before we dive in, I want to take a second and say thank you to one of my podcast listeners. That's right, one of you for leaving a written review. This one comes from Ellie Belly XO. All right. Uh, she said, great content. Five stars. Love all the tips and tricks. Hey, short and sweet. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave me a written review. It helps me so much. Not only keeps me going, but also helps other moms like you find the podcast. So if you have a second, I would love it if you scroll down to the bottom and wrote a quick review of what you think. All right. Now let's get into this. I want to hop in real quick and take a second to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Dino Bars. Dino Bars are all organic fruit and vegetable bars that are wrapped in edible paper. Yes, you heard me right. Edible paper made from potato starch. And what that means for you is that you can get all the benefits that come with a fruit and veggie forward bar without the mess. Insert praise hands here. But seriously, I was really skeptical about these bars. I thought they were going to be another kind of sticky, gooey mess that my littlest ones had trouble chewing. They're not like that at all. The kids love them, but I love them too. Not only because they taste delicious, but they have simple, balanced ingredients that make for a great option for nutrition on the go. Click the link in the description box below and use code Alyssa10, that's A-L-Y-S-S-A, the number 10, for 10% off. And don't you dare get a pack without my absolute favorite flavor, purple sweet potato raspberry. Okay, now back to the show. So let's start off with what this phrase or word really means grazing. So a lot of you may have heard this word grazing before, likely on my Instagram, maybe here in the podcast even, and wonder what that means. And really what this means is that your kid is always eating, kind of like a cow in a pasture, just walking around, eating things as they walk by it, grabbing snacks as they please, and really having full access to the kitchen or the pantry or even just like the food left over on the table. Does anyone else do that? Like sometimes our breakfast will sit out for way too long because I'm lazy and don't want to start the dishes right away. And then my kids just walk by and randomly like grab an extra, you know, little bit of toast that they left behind. (laughs) This is what grazing looks like. And today we're going to break it down about specifically with picky eaters, what my recommendations are and kind of how to follow them and put them into place. So for those of you who have been following for a while, you may already know like, yeah, Alyssa, I know you're probably not on board for grazing, but some of you might be having conversations in your head that go like this. No, no, no. You don't understand. If my picky eater didn't have access to food all the time, they would eat so much less. And because I leave food out all the time, they eat more. And the goal is for them to eat more, right? Wrong. Well, not wrong, but not fully right. So, my goal for you is never to have your little ones eat as much as they possibly can stuff, stuff, oh man, shove in their bellies. 
Our point here isn't to get them eating more. Our goal is to get them eating the right amount for them. And what that means, because you and I can't actually feel or tell how hungry they are, no matter how hard we try, we are just not inside their bodies. So we don't know how hungry they are. And we want them being able to tune into those signals that their body's giving them, feel how hungry they are, and then eat to satisfaction. Eating enough to grow and develop and get a wide variety of foods, but not too much that they're feeling over full and uncomfortable and honestly unhappy, especially to come to mealtime. And we also don't want them not eating enough so that they're hungry 20 seconds later, asking for a snack all dang day and not really filling themselves up. So we want to kind of meet in this happy medium. Now it's not all perfect. It's not all going to go to plan. It's going to be messy. They're kids. We're parents, we're all flawed, and no one has perfect eating experiences all the time. But that's the goal. So a lot of you might be thinking, no, 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 I want my kids to eat as much as they possibly can or more, always more is better. But that's actually not true. More isn't better. Now, I don't know your situation. I don't know how much your little one's eating. I don't know their growth. All of these things are unknown to me, but I just want to remind you that more isn't necessarily the goal. The goal is to get them to feel hunger, and being able to eat to satisfy that hunger regularly. So with that being said, let's break down why grazing isn't necessarily the best way to get to this goal. So grazing allows for food at any time, right? And what that means is that your little one may not actually experience hunger in a way that internally drives them to eat. So when presented with foods, they're not going to be as incentivized internally to eat those foods, which can really set us up for failure as the parent to then try to bribe beg, plead, or guilt them to eating the food when they're really just not even feeling hungry enough for it. So it sets us both up for failure. That being said, along with grazing comes preferred foods. So there are certain foods that are easier to graze on than other foods. For example, it's easier to graze on things that are typically starch heavy, like goldfish crackers or pretzels, because they can be out for a long period of time versus things like cheese, right? We know cheese has to stay in the fridge or be out and be eaten in a certain amount of time before it goes bad. So it just already sets the stage for grazing to be preferential to those um, more room temperature foods. Now, not all room temperature foods are starches or quote unquote bad for them, um, but it it does kind of already set us up for this place of pairing more of those carb heavy foods. So that being said, these foods should absolutely be served and intertwined regularly with meals and snacks, but that should be your decision, not just because they're out or available or in the pantry and your little one knows how to get to them. It also sets them up for foods that typically have a very similar texture or are very, very predictable, which can kind of lead to a rut for picky eaters, right? So when we see picky eaters who prefer things like goldfish, it makes sense because if you pull out five goldfish, they're all going to have the same texture, the same crunch factor, the same amount of cheddar flavor, the same amount of salt, you know, and they're all the exact same shape. They're very uniform versus something like, I don't know, raspberries might be totally different. You pick out five, one might be sweet, one might be tart, one might be juicy, one might be a little bit drier or wrinklier. You're going to get so many different um, textures. And so grazing really can easily lead to preferential treatment of those similar textures and kind of get in a food jag all by themselves. 
So with all that being said, what is it that we do want to do, right? We want to set up a meal and snack schedule that is predictable and that really builds kind of tension or builds hunger in our little ones to again shift the intention or the reasoning behind eating inward to a place of them actually feeling that hunger, that desire to eat, to fill up their belly, and then understanding the cause and effect relationship between eating the food and how they're feeling internally. So setting up a meal and snack schedule can actually be the very thing that can help the most get your picky eater interested in trying new foods and different foods because hunger is a biological drive for children. Well, for all humans really, right? Because we need to survive. It also just sets up us up for success in a way that feels like we are in a little bit of control of what goes on the plate, what's getting offered, which brings us back to that division of responsibility, which I've taught on a lot in the past. So this meal and snack schedule is in fact so important that table talkers, so people who have gone through my picky eating guided program, have said that this is the very thing that changed everything in their home. Because once this is figured out, this is very foundational for a lot of the other kind of methods and strategies to work on top of. So it could not be more pivotal to have some sort of schedule in your home. Now, for some of you who heard the word schedule, you like immediately freaked out, right? You're like, no, 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 I'm not a schedule person. Don't give me a planner. Don't give me a timetable. I don't want to live like that. I'm with you. I'm actually the same way. So there's not only schedules, but there's also rhythms. There's open eating windows. There's closed eating windows. Kitchen is closed. Kitchen is open kind of situation. So you can really kind of uh, tailor this to what works best for you your parenting style, and your children. But there are some kind of foundational structures that need to be in place around these meal and snacks. So the first one is to have three meals a day. It's just the way that humans are designed that we need these three meals a day. Plus, for most children above the age of one, needing at least one snack time up to about three. And again, making sure that these meals and snacks have enough time between the end of one eating opportunity and the beginning of a new one to have enough time to build that tension or build that hunger. For most kids, it's a minimum of an hour and a half, maximum about three hours, although I would say that's pushing it even for me. So this is important to kind of keep in mind. And again, this is something that inside Table Talk, I walk you through in depth in several trainings and actually hand you over a guide to create the best eating schedule for you and your family, considering all the other factors that come into play, right? Because being a parent, it's never just like single focus, one thing at a time. There's multiple things at play. And I also kind of walk you through how to be flexible with this because flexibility is just as important as being consistent. So there's always going to be a dynamic there of pulling back and forth in our parenting and what our days look like. Now, that being said, having an eating schedule is really important. But again, like I said, implementing it in a way that's consistent and predictable for your little ones can actually be the very thing that transitions an eating schedule from feeling very rule bound to actually opening up a lot of freedom. Now, I know that some of you hearing that you might be like, what do you mean freedom? You just told me I have to be on a schedule. It sounds nothing like I'm free. But the thing is, is building that hunger and that anticipation for food with our little ones. Now, 
notice I'm not saying let them starve. We still want to be considerate with what we're putting on the plate, giving them ample opportunity to eat those safe foods, those predictably eaten foods in the past, um, so that they do have something to fill up their bellies and feel satiated with while still giving them the space and the desire to try something new. So this can be a really important tactic to nail down for you and your family. All right, so I want to talk to those of you who currently allow this grazing, and maybe you're on board with this, maybe not. It might feel a little scary to all of a sudden take food away from your child or or the opportunity to eat away from your child. And to you, I just want to let you know that honestly, when you're implementing a meal and snack schedule and you have three meals and three snacks, a lot of times it does feel very similar to grazing. There's just a little bit stronger of a boundary there. And I want to encourage you as well that this will come with tantrums. If your child is used to be able to just go in the pantry anytime they want or have food out on the table whenever they want, or again, if you're like me and food is still left out on the table from breakfast or snack or lunch, uh, because it's maybe the last thing on your to-do list to clean up after those meals, then this will come with some conflict. But here's what I will encourage you through when we're handling that conflict they are learning that we mean what we say and say what we mean. And we hold true to that boundary and we continue holding that boundary time and time again. And over time, as long as we are giving them ample opportunities to eat throughout the day, their body will regulate. Now, I'm not saying to completely change everything in your home drastically and kind of be like, tough, I don't care. We wanna have a healthy heart posture towards them of compassion and understanding. This is also something that I teach in depth inside Table Talk and how to talk to our little ones with compassion and understanding while also still holding the tension of holding our boundaries and sticking to them. And it's important that we validate them, let them know it's okay to be upset, that you understand things have changed, and also kind of prepare them for this change as well. Maybe even taking one final day of the same rules you have going on now and letting them know, hey, starting tomorrow, this is how things are going to look around the table. This is how things are going to look around a snack times. Even if they're really young, trust me, they understand more than you know. And it's important to just have those open communications with them starting at a really young age. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. I hope that it gave you some kind of insight into why letting them graze all day might be one of the things that's actually creating the pickiness to continue and honestly, sometimes even get worse. And so maybe this is just a beginning into accepting this new way of offering foods to your little one. And if not, that's okay. Everyone is different. And maybe this isn't your starting point and that's all right too. I do want to invite you if you have any interest at all in truly understanding and getting to the root of your child's picky eating and learning the strategies and methods to overcome it once and for all in your in your home and in your family, then Table Talk is the right fit for you. I'm going to go ahead and link it up down below and you can enroll now in the eight-week guided program that truly transfers over all the information you need to be the feeding expert at your table, to feel confident in not only what you're feeding your little ones, but also how and really truly understanding anything that comes your way, how to handle it. I build out your toolbox of different methods and strategies to use so you don't even have to think twice about it. And it's really incredible to hear what some of the parents from Table Talk have said of their changes. Truly having a mom tell me that her little one who used to just eat a handful of foods, now her safe foods are well over a hundred after taking Table Talk 
And I want you to know that that's possible for you too. In fact, you can start today, which is pretty awesome. So go ahead and click the link in the description box below. You can join Table Talk and begin today in your eight-week guided program. And what I mean by that is there's six weeks of learning hands-on material, but then there's two weeks specifically that I actually reach out to you and tell you almost day to day what to do and how to implement the strategies and tips that you're learning so that you can get true success. So uh, I want to invite you to do that. But of course, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.